Hello, everybody. Welcome yep. to a new episode of DFV. I am Black Cinephile. And I'm Brad. And that right there, folks, is Brad. And today we got a special one. Um, you know what, man? I initially thought we should call this one Ben Affleck generic thrillers, but I think we should call this one the two Bens because there's there's Ben Affleck from late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. and then there's Ben Affleck from uh, 2010s onwards. And there's a there's a difference. There's a difference in the Bens. And we'll uh, we'll get to it. But uh, what what you feel about this episode, man? How you feeling? I uh, I feel good about this one because I, I like Ben Affleck as an actor. I think he does a phenomenal job when he has the right role, like Goodwill Hunting mm-hmm. and Chasing Amy, like the town. It, it, right. It, every time when he's perfectly cast, he's in the zone and everything. So. He's one of those actors I love seeing these kind of movies for that weren't the big movies that he's known for to see him still be able to shine in these movies. And yeah, like you said, we have 90s Ben Affleck versus like more modern Ben Affleck here because you kind of do see his acting change over time. As yeah. he he almost gets to that uh, grumpy old man kind of acting phase that like George Clooney's in right now, <laughs> right, right. I mean, right, like the the brooding phase, right? Yeah, he's he's always brooding. Uh, we'll we'll get to we'll get to that in um the second film here, but we got John Woo's paycheck versus Robert Rodriguez, uh, hypnotic. Uh, two good directors here, man. Two yeah. very solid directors. Um, and these are films that are used that usually kind of fell by the wayside. Like I didn't know Hypnotic was out in theaters until I um until I I I looked up Showtimes real quick and I said, Oh, Ben Affleck has a new film called called, called Hypnotic. Robert Rodriguez directed it. Where was the marketing for this movie? Yeah, I didn't know about this one at all until you mentioned it, and you were like, Yeah, it's uh Hypnotic. It's you know, the new movie with Ben Affleck. And I was thinking the new movie with Ben Affleck. No, there's you talking about the flash. Cause uh, I, I know he was in that, but yeah, I, see, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking when I said that, cause I, I thought, well, I remember that you don't really watch ads at all. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah. But even then, like, even with, um, not watching ads, I'm always kind of in tune with new movies, but I think it was like one to two weeks in theaters. And I was like, wait a minute, Ben Affleck has a new movie. Robert Rodriguez has a new movie. And um, that's how I could tell that this film was an independent film. You know what I mean? Um, I've always known about Paycheck because I remember it when it when it first came out, and I think we rented it or something like that. Uh, but I Hypnotic, I didn't know until like one to two weeks it was in theaters. I was like, oh wow, yeah, yeah. And it didn't really have a very long theater run either, from the looks of it, because I, I think that's something from like more modern day that theater runs just seem to be a lot shorter now mm-hmm. it's almost oh, like yeah. a month later people are starting to talk well it should be on digital soon i think there's exceptions for like a24 films or um you know maybe like the big disney movies like i think avatar took a while to get to streaming because they were trying to make their money back mm-hmm. um in a24 films i know bo is afraid took a long time to get to streaming well, yeah, that it, one wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. one was in theaters for a little bit, but at the same time, even some of the big like movies by 
you know, major studios like the new Transformers is already on streaming. Yeah. Or not on streaming, yeah. on digital. Right. Um Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So video video on demand is what is what we're trying to say. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, it's not taking long for most of them, man. And um I'll talk I think we should talk a little bit about that in the after show, but um yeah, all right, let's just hop into it, man. Um, you know, I think if we're gonna talk about the two bands, we got a reason to go chronological on this one. Um, I know that's controversial, but I we, we got a reason this time. It's not the way that I like doing it, but it does make sense to do it this way, so I say let's go for it. All right, man. We we're gonna start off with John Woo's uh two thousand three paycheck. And this film is uh, based off a short story by Philip K. Dick. If you know Philip K. Dick, you know, he's the um, the mind behind uh, works that inspired, you know, classic films like Blade Runner, Minority Report, A Scanner Darkly. Um, I don't know if I, I I think he's more I was going to say cyberpunk, but I think he's a, I, I, he's a classic sci fi writer. Um, I don't know if I give him cyberpunk. But um, yeah, he he writes a lot of stories about you know futuristic themes and things of that nature. So paycheck revolves around uh, Michael Jennings, played by Ben Affleck. He is a reverse engineer. Um, you know he analyzes um, uh, people who hire him. He analyzes their uh, competitions uh, technology and he um, recreates it with improvements. And he gets paid uh, a crap ton of money for it. One day he runs into an old friend played by Aaron Eckhart. Um, his name is James Rethrick, who uh, contracts him uh, to uh, uh, take care of a machine for him for, I believe it was three years. Uh, yes, it, it was a three year yeah. contract, which normally when he was taking these contracts, it'd be like one month, you know, two right. months max before. Because the idea is they would erase his mind after right. the contract is done. Right. I, I got I got to remember to put that in. So he would always get his mind erased after he would like, you know, copy the competitors engineering and make a better product. But uh, he going for three years is a problem because I think he can only do up to like two or three weeks or something is what they said in the beginning of the film without uh, his brain. Two months was the previous thing because they would use a thing to kind of like it. The way the movie explained it is they would heat up his brain to destroy the memories. And if they overheated it too much, it, it would just basically turn him into a vegetable. Right, right. OK, yeah. So that that's the thing. Um, you know, and of course, he's a little wary, but, you know, it's a uh, it's it's a million dollar contract. So he goes, uh, of course, you, you got the, uh, <laughs> the comedic effect of the film, uh, Paul Giamatti as Shorty, uh, you know, Michael's friend going like, don't do this. You know, well, of course, Michael chooses to do it because then there will be no movie. Uh, he also, uh, along the way, falls in love with the biologist, um, Rachel Porter, played by Uma Thurman. But uh, anyway, he takes the job. Uh, three years later, wakes up. He realizes, hey, you know, you got your stocks and bonds and, you know, millions of dollars. You're all set to go, man. And then he realizes uh, he signed everything away. And now uh, I love how this movie is just about him trying to figure out, dude, where's my money? But then it gets deeper than that uh, later. But he's like, uh, while he's trying to figure out where his money is, now he realizes that uh, James Rethrick uh, is trying to assassinate him because uh, the device that he worked on uh, could lead to, uh, you know, basically 
you know, nuclear damage, uh, the end of the world, pretty much. So he's trying to like silence James. Uh, he's trying to silence Michael and now the FBI is after him. And uh, that in a nutshell is uh, the plot line of Paycheck. Yeah. Now, yeah, go ahead. When it comes to this movie, uh, this was the first time I had heard of it or seen anything for it is just jumping right into it. And when it started playing with like the reverse engineering aspect, I was like, okay, so this is going to be very like technological sci-fi movie. And Mm -hmm. then we get to the part where his money stolen. I was like, okay, this is going to be a mystery about where the money goes. But instead it became more of like a memento movie with him tracking these clues to try and figure out what his memory loss had led him to. Mm hmm. So, do you, did, so are you trying to say this movie didn't know what it was? I, this is, I don't want to say the movie didn't know what it was. I had no idea what to expect with this movie because the mm. plot of it kept changing to the point that I was like, okay, so is this really going to be a memento thing or what's the next thing that it's going to go to? Oh, it's going to become a world destruction thing because no matter what happens, they always cause it. Okay, well, let's let's keep going. And then it just turned into an action movie and it was like, oh, okay, so we're an action movie now. We're no longer trying to solve the mystery. It's just cars exploding. Let me tell you something. If I'm watching a John Woo film and I don't see some action, I'm going to walk away disappointed. Right. So um, I liked it. To, I liked that there's action. Um, you know what I mean? So going from that, you know what I'm saying? Um, so watching this, like, I want to go back to what I said about the two Ben Afflecks. So this Ben Affleck here, early 2000s, late 90s, charming Ben Affleck, right? Got the, the, the winning smile, mm-hmm. you know, charming, attractive lead. That's the Ben Affleck we're dealing with here. We're not really watching him for his acting progress and something like this. We're like, okay, he's the leading man. He's the everyday good-looking guy caught up in something that he he's in over his head, and he's a little bit relatable with his with his personality. So that's the Ben Affleck we got here, um, dude. I th- there's some things in here you can only pull off in an early 2000s movie, dude. Like that FBI interrogation scene where he's dealing with um, Dexter. And yeah. Papa Pope from Papa Pope from Scandal, like and they're like they're like interrogating him. He's in a swivel chair the whole time. I'm like, right. what? What FBI interrogation goes like this? It, it was very like '90s. This is what the police is like. Kind of movies. Oh my god! Because th- this is in the future. Let's let's note that this is in the future. Like in 2003, this is considered the future to 2003 when this was released. But I'm like, even then. Who gets interrogated like this, man? Yeah. But, well, you know, not only that, but one of the FBI agents is like, well, I need a smoke. And so he starts smoking in the room with him. And it's like even by 2003 standards, smoking was already being taken out of restaurants. You know, it's it, it wouldn't have been like that. But he's, you can tell that parts of this were definitely written prior to 2003, such as that. And the same with the way that, like, everybody drives on the roads and everything like that. Like, this movie is almost dystopian future when you look at it that way of, like, how many cars are on the road? Let's see here. About four cars there. Yep. Okay. This is supposed to be, like, a New York City-style place? Okay. Yeah. These roads are very clean. (laughs) Dude, I just thought, like, I said, these are the dumbest FBI agents ever. 
Oh yeah. Like like you know, like I'm looking at Michael C. Hall and Joe Morton, and they're like, uh, we know this guy was killed. He was thrown off of his apartment building. Yeah. Ben Affleck's like, I, I don't know what you want me to say. Yeah. If, if, like, <laughs> what do you, you want know. from me? You're giving me all the information here. I haven't said anything. Right. And then they put the machine on him. I was like, okay, so that's what the swivel chair is for. You could have <laughs> just cut straight to that. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, oh, I, there's uh, also the other scene, like later in the movie, where they find Ben Affleck and you know, or they find Michael Jennings, and he's being chased by the people that had hired him, and they're just out in the open, and the right. FBI comes in helicopters, and they see you know Michael Jennings, but they don't see the other guys there in the car speeding away from that situation. And it's like really, you you didn't see that he was being chased there, and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that whole thing is just wild. And um, one thing I like is that so basically throughout the movie, we learned that he has items that he himself has uh, left for himself uh, from the future. Mm -hmm. uh, well, not from the future, but no, but knowing the future, he's left items for himself that will work at certain points as he's trying to, you know, uh, uh, get back to, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, James Rethrick and, you know, stop the machine. But um, I like how at one point as he's running and we we catch up with Rethrick and his uh his his um I don't want to say his co-head in charge, but his um his, his number two, uh John Wolf played by Calm uh Calm Fear. <laughs> I like dude, I love I love how they play this so straight because it gave me uh it gave me like face off nostalgia uh <laughs> where he goes, and what were you doing the whole time? I was eating pie. Yeah. <laughs> I, he says that so straight. I was eating pie. Yeah, it, it is an absurd scene, too, when you see him, because that is what he's doing. He's just sitting at a restaurant across the street eating pie. And then he looks over and he sees Michael Jennings running out of the building. He's just like, right. wait, that's not. Hold on. What time is it? <laughs> yeah, I, he's just like eating this pie like do 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 gonna kill Ben Affleck. Take over the world. And he's just like smiling with like this shitty grin on his face. And then Ben Affleck runs out and he's like, wait, what? <laughs> I, here's, here's the one thing I had. If they knew that Ben Affleck was seeing all this in the machine, why didn't they take a look at what was going to happen in the future, too? Like, that didn't make sense to me. It, it sounds so the way I interpreted it is they looked at the future and did all this stuff themselves. And then Ben Affleck kind of went in and looked at the future. And that's when he made the changes by going, OK, I'll add a pack of cigarettes to the envelope. What does that change? OK, I'll do this. I'll add this to the envelope. What does that change? And then he tampered with it to break it so they wouldn't be able to look at it anymore. Oh, OK, I got you. I got you. Uh, yeah. All right. I guess that makes sense. Um and another thing in this film is that uh, him and the uh, the biologist he fell in love with uh, have been dating for a while by this point, uh, mm -hmm. Rachel. And I like how um, I, I like the uh, I like how they meet up. But I, before we get to that, I want to talk about how he meets up with Shorty and Paul Giamatti, dude. Like his uh, his physical comedy, and this is funny. Like when he's um, when he's meeting back up with him. And then he realizes like stuff is going down and people are like 
closing in on him. Like Shorty is like, like I, I you could tell uh, Michael was trying to calm him down. Like Shorty, listen to me. And Shorty's like, uh huh. And like mm-hmm. looking around, he's like, he's like trying to escape the whole time. Like I like his physical comedy in that scene. Oh yeah, Paul Giamatti is great. I even love the opening to him like reuniting with Michael Jennings is mm-hmm. him just going to I think it was like an airport restaurant or something like that like or Mm -hmm. you know a train station restaurant and his first line is you say a single thing about the hat and i'm walking away (laughs) yeah 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 i thought that was pretty funny um you know you can see a lot of like john woo's like classic style in this film like i saw the face-off shot twice you know when they point the guns at each other Mm -hmm. like like close range you got like two shots like that. One is on a train track, and another is later between him and um, Aaron Eckhart's character, the the main villain. I thought that was pretty cool. And um, oh man, there's the classic thing that happens. I don't know if it was on the train track or not, but there was a scene where two of the guys that are chasing after them end up shooting each other. And I was just watching that, like, dude, I knew that was gonna happen. Like he he gets them to shoot each other or something like that because they they was about to shoot him but he 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 tricks them into shooting each other. I don't remember that. Uh, it had to be think, like at some point around that uh, chase scene when mm-hmm. they're trying to get like after the air or the bus station train station scene. It has to be a little bit after that because I think the only person chasing him during that was the one guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it might have been like, um, I, th- I think it might have been like near the trace, the the train scene. But um, I was gonna say, uh, dude, I love the setup for the motorcycle chase. I like how when he, um, when when the when the FBI realizes he's about to get a certain type of car, like uh, I don't know who says it, but he's like, uh, he says, "Oh, wh- what car is he getting? What car is he getting?" Another guy said, "It's not a car." And I like how they cut to him getting a motorcycle and just speeding off. I was like, that's a nice cut. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a nice setup for that action scene. Yeah. I also like when he's on it and uh, he has the one girl there with him. How good am I at this? You're okay. And he just starts speeding up. She goes, I said you're okay. (laughs) Right. You're not that good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So what do you feel about the, uh, the final act? What do you feel about the showdown? I think the final act kind of dragged a little bit, in my opinion. Yeah, me too. It, it just it lasted longer than it needed to because I like when they got to the area and you know they fried the machine so they could use the time machine or the time viewer, I guess, mm-hmm. to see into the future. He got everything he needed and he left, and the movie just kind of came to a halt. Why everybody gave exposition that didn't matter to the rest of the mm-hmm. movie. Like, the one dude just, oh, man, this is my evil plan. It's like, we already figured out your evil plan. What are you talking? You don't need to tell us what your evil plan is. The evil plan has been said exponentially throughout the rest of the movie by you in little scenes. Did did you think we were to forget? The movie is not that long. It's only like an hour and a half. We're we're paying attention. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I might not Um, have a notebook here, but I still remember the things you said like 15 minutes ago. Right. I, I love the way Aaron Eckhart plays the villain role because he plays it so straight. Like, like you could tell he's a villain by some of the faces he makes. Like, oh, oh yeah. dude, we're supposed to be rich by now. What's he doing still alive? You know. Yeah, it, 
Also, when he's realizing that there's the time viewer has been tampered with, so he can't mm-hmm. use it. And he's like, well, I thought that you could fix it and everything. Clearly, you're not as smart as Michael then. Well, Michael would know exactly where he put the bug in the machine in order to fix it. And why can't you find it? It's like, yeah, of course he can't find it. This thing has, you know, so many servers and so many motherboards on it. And we find out the bug he placed was like a sticker that is, you know, maybe an inch by a quarter of an inch in size. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 definitely something that's like I, I just love the way he uh he plays the the hokiness of it so straight. Oh yeah. Um yeah, absolutely. So going from that here, yeah, the final act drags, man. It it does drag. Cause I'm like, okay, you guys can wrap this up easily. Mm-hmm. The action is good and everything, but this this don't need to be that long. So by the time we get to, you know, he saves the day and everything, and uh we get to the end. Um, I thought the lottery ticket reveal was pretty cute, you know, like like underneath the uh, the, the birdcage. Bird. Yeah, then you know, Shorty is like, "Hey, yo, so you know, let's focus on um thirty three percent." Yeah, you know, like let's 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 focus on a thirty three percent. I need my cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it was a cute ending. I gotta say, man, Uma Thurman is so damn beautiful in this movie, dude. Oh yeah, like. I love the I love the way the camera shows her in this movie, man. Like uh like like she she was a great love interest in this and she even made me laugh in a few scenes. Yeah, she plays it very well. And yeah, her and Ben Affleck bounce off each other perfectly in a couple scenes. And other scenes mm-hmm. it just I don't know if it was the writing or generally like the way that the scenes were shot but it comes off weird like the motorcycles chase scene and everything with them was a little odd at times with their timing of like Mm -hmm. dialogue but like the restaurant scene with them was great when they're looking for the motorcycle that's great even when they're like going through with the time machine and everything but yeah there were a couple times where it was like okay that I can't tell if this is an editing flub or what, but mm-hmm. their dialogue between each other doesn't make sense. It's like we're missing snippets of dialogue between them and then getting to the end of their conversation. That or they're both just really to the point on everything. <laughs> I didn't feel like there was like dialogue jumps, but I felt like I felt like up into the final act, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm locked into this. This is going at a nice pace. And then things just kept dragging towards the final act, and I'm like Okay, so some of this stuff could have been wrapped up easy. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, man, I think this is a uh, this is a strong three. You know, it's not it's not bad. It's 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 a it, it does what it sets out to do. It's not like groundbreaking, but I it's it's just a strong three to me. Yeah, I would give it you know a three point five. It's a good movie. It comes, it does mm-hmm. what it needs to do, and then it kind of just you know it, it slowly fizzles out toward the end. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, a lot of the concept of it, I definitely like. Like, the Mm -hmm. mystery of, like, what are all these items and what do they mean? Because we see them all at the beginning. I also love that shot where he, like, lays them all out in the form of a question mark. That was a nice shot. Oh, I absolutely love that. Like, I saw that, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Good good job, movie. You you deserve a a clap for that. One clap, singular, but you deserve it. (laughs) Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I agree. And that brings us to our second movie today, 
Hypnotic. Once again, starring Ben Affleck, this time directed by Robert Red- Rodriguez. Robert Red- Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Well, yeah. I-, I guess either one. I don't know. Yeah, I, I got tongue twisted there for a second. But uh, yeah, this time we follow Ben Affleck as Danny Rourke, who is a cop that has been put on leave for a little bit after the disappearance of his daughter sent him into a psychological turmoil. So getting back on the case, he finds out that there is a bank robbery going on. So he tries to stop it only to find that the person doing the robbery itself is somebody that is able to hypnotize people into doing his bidding for him. And he finds that this person is also entwined with his daughter's kidnapping in some way when he finds a mysterious photo of his daughter that this person was trying to get. Across, mm-hmm. Going forward from there, he finds that there is another psychic that is entwined in this that was previously known by that other psychic and worked together with him. And he teams up with her, uh, named Diana Cruz, in order to try and stop him from being able to find all the clues that would basically give him all his hypnotic powers back. And in the process, try and find out what his relationship to his daughter is and why he wants his daughter so bad and possibly where she is located. And throughout the movie, we kind of follow these two as they bond and go through this mystery of trying to figure out exactly what is fully going on and what is reality. Mm. I think that's a perfect way to put it, man. Um, Yeah, dude, this film, uh, I gotta say this film pleasantly surprised me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause I, when I, um, when I got into it, I was like, okay, the way it's starting off is just, you know, a little depressed, a little depressing, you know, you got Ben Affleck just sitting there brooding, you know, like uh, even when he's like tying his daughter's hair, it's just like a little bit of a smile on his face, not a total smile because he's he's got to be the strong brooding type. Again, the two but Bens. The, we're in grumpy Ben acting phase. <laughs> right, right. And then the daughter goes missing. And I'm like, OK, I'll I'll I'll, I'll hop in here, and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um. The moment it got to the point where uh, William Fickner's character showed up, uh, who was uh, uh, he was a uh, Del Rain. The moment Del Rain showed up and he was like, um, "Hey, it's a hot day today," you know, or you know, with the lighter thing talking to the lady. Um, when th- when people when she started uh, like stripping off like her clothes and stuff, I was like, "Okay, this is a little different. What's what's going on here?" You know, and then Ben Affleck chases him inside and. You know, he's basically then you start to realize, oh, he's telling people to do stuff to mm-hmm. kind of hypnotize them. I was like, OK, I'm, I'm hooked into this movie. I'm, I'm I'm on this film's wavelength. And um, as it started going on, I love the visual effects that Robert Rodriguez was using. You know, oh, like yeah. um, there'll be times where Ben Affleck would be running and he, his mind would be getting messed with. And he'd look up and then see like a mirror of the ground in the ceiling of uh, the sky. And I'd be like, okay, that's pretty like, uh, you know, Inception influenced. Like, I, I like that. That's a nice shot. Um, yeah, the film, the film kept my attention as the more it started to mess with your mind a little bit. Oh yeah, especially when we start getting more and more into 
the different people that have these hypnotic powers because we're introduced to Diana Cruz, who is a hypnotist by trade, who also has these powers and assumption wise, she uses it for her clients in order to get more money. And because it's said that she goes through multiple things of like tax fraud, but she's never been convicted which leads mm-hmm. to the thing, oh, yeah, she definitely used her hypnosis to get out of those situations once we mm-hmm. realize that she has those same abilities. And we get introduced to other, you know, hypnotic people that have these abilities as they're brought to those people in order to try and figure out where Del Rain might be. And mm-hmm. I, I like getting a little bit more of that because they explain that certain people are born with this ability. There are some people that are known as hypnotic blockers, which Danny is one of where hypnosis doesn't really work on him. Like he is one of the only things that can really stop Del Rain because he blocks those hypnotic waves that he's able to admit. And he's seen as one of the strongest of their group that's capable of basically hypnotic, you know, using hypnosis on anybody. Yeah, I um I like that too. And I um I was gonna say I the scene that really hooked me in this movie was uh when they're uh <laughs> when they're when they're doing the interrogation of her, right? And then uh the police um uh his his partner his his partner goes outside, he walks outside and then he uh, he he runs into Del Rain and he comes back and this dude is on a straight up mission to take down Ben Affleck's character, almost to the point where he's willing to cut off his wrist oh, through yeah. the handcuff. I said, dude, this is an intense scene. Like now this film has my full attention. Like, you know, and I like how intense, like I like the levels of intensity Robert Rodriguez's films have. And I like how that, that scene right there locked me in. Like, okay, now nah, I'm I'm fully locked in now. Right. And it definitely uh, has that like thriller vibe of like it very tense moments like that where it's like okay what is going to happen here there's another scene where del rain does get enough power to kind of start influencing danny rourke ben affleck's character and Mm -hmm. tells him kill diana and you see him like with the scissors in his hand and everything like that and it's like okay is he actually gonna pull this off obviously for movie sense he wouldn't but at the same time this movie hasn't been taking its characters and going, oh, no, we got to play nice with them. It's been killing off characters left and right. So him killing her off is actually a viable thing in this movie. Mm. And, you know, obviously we got to talk about the twist in this movie. Oh, yeah. We were getting there. Um, okay, well, one thing before we get there. Did you know uh, when they're initially in the car and they're doing the stakeout when Delwing first shows up and sits on the bench? Mm-hmm. That um that joke about the bartender that comes in the bar. Oh yeah, it's like hey, you, you know where that joke is from, right? I, I'm trying to remember where it's from, but I've heard the joke before. That joke uh, was from Desperado. Um, you know, you know the Robert Rodriguez film with Antonio Banderas yes. and Sama Hayek. Yeah, yeah, that was the joke that Quentin Tarantino told when he when he walked into the bar and was talking to Cheech Marin. Okay. And then, you know, the shit kind of hit the fan. Yeah, so it was like a callback to that movie. Okay. Yeah, I remember the joke, and I remembered that it was from something, but, you know, it never clicked to me. Oh, yeah, that was another Robert Rodriguez movie. (laughs) Right. I'm surprised Machete didn't show up in this. 
Yeah, but, that's um, true. I didn't even think of that. But uh, yeah, dude, when that twist showed up, I mean, I knew there was going to be some kind of twist showing up. But when that twist showed up, I was like, well, well done. Mm-hmm. I was like, well done. That yeah, was a th- good twist. Th- th- that was a two clap moment. Like, good job. You yeah. you pulled that one on me. I didn't see this coming. Yeah. So the twist of the movie is when, um, you know, Ben realizes that um, uh, the, the woman that's been with him, uh, Diana Cruz, was actually his ex-wife. And uh, the daughter's still missing, but this whole thing has been like a fabricated reality put together to try to get him to tell them where their daughter is because uh, apparently his daughter is very powerful. They call her Domino because, um, well, first of all, all the hypnotics are from this place called The Division. Uh, Ben Affleck's character and Alice Braga's character, Diana, um, are married and and they're the two most powerful hypnotics in The Division. Their daughter is like more powerful than both of them. So the division wants her, but uh, Danny not wanting to submit their daughter to the division as a kind of like weapon uh, kind of hit her. And so they've been putting him through this fabricated reality. We 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 hear like 12 times yep. to try to figure out, okay, where did you put her? Who is Del Rain? Because, you know, you wrote that on a photograph and we want to know who Del Rain is. Um, dude, I love it when he's, when they're taking him through a, I don't know if he's going through a tour. No, he escapes and he sees the bank. He sees like every every situation they put him in, like rooftop, bank. Um, yeah. Well, it's not so much he escapes. They let him leave the oh, room yeah, right, that he, right, right, they're right, in right. where they go. Yeah, it was all fabricated. You've been through this 12 times before. Do you want to finally give it, you know, the information up? And he just responds, let's go for 13. And they just bring him back in. They erase his mind and start him back in their simulation, which brings it almost like full circle to the movie, you know, Paycheck, where his mind was being erased at the same time. Dude, I didn't. This was a listen. This was a happy mistake. I didn't know this movie was. Well, this is a twist. We wouldn't have known this movie was going to do this. But yeah, uh, it does bring it back to Paycheck in a way. Yeah. I was going to say, though, um, at first I was like, OK, is the whole movie going to play play back everything that happened again? Because they were like going through the whole thing, the therapist, the bank, you know, and then I was like, OK. But then I realized right at the bank before he walks in, you know, they got the cameras on. I'm like, all right, we're doing this for a 13th time. And then they realized they lose him. And then they realize he's um he's escaping the whole division dreamscape setup place. And uh, he goes to uh, find his foster parents. And that's where we realized that's where Minnie's been this whole time, you know, with his foster parents, which foster parents thing kind of came out of nowhere. But I, I just I just stuck with it because um, it's not you know, so much an out there concept. And right. at the same time, like, yeah, it, it didn't throw me for a loop. I will say, though, when he's going through like the simulation again and he's hitting all the same notes as before. I liked how it was cutting back and forth between his reality and the actual reality where Mm -hmm. it would show him getting into a car. And then in reality, it shows him getting into like a golf cart and they're just kind of cruising down the road very slowly until they get to the one stop where it's like, okay, well this is the bank and going from Uh, there. And yeah, I, I knew that it, 
I figured that he had not actually had his memory wiped properly. Like he still remembered everything. And he was just playing along with it in order to try and like throw them off guard. And in reality, it was he ended up finding one of the clues that brought his memory back to where she actually was with the notebook. And I liked how it actually happened because it was so many pages of the notebook they had torn out. Eventually, he made it to that page where, you know, he could feel the indent of the pen on the paper to reveal where she was. Mm. And it's like, okay, yeah. that's that's good you know, good job movie. I like how they played that one out where it wasn't him just not working that time. It was actually a time thing. Like the 13th time they went through it, he would finally be able to have the paper and feel through it and feel like the text. And that would remind him, Oh, okay. I know where she is. Now I can go get her. I remember everything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So going off that, the final shootout is fine. I think the final shootout is pretty cool because then there's like another final twist that um, all this has been kind of like like they thought that they killed the foster parents. But then it's revealed that, you know, this is all a part of like a, another a, simulation. A yeah, another simulation that uh, that many put together. And that this whole time, Diana has been the one kind of brainwashed too, uh, to go against her husband and, you know, to find her daughter. And now her mind is like being set free at this point. And I was like, okay, that's a nice final hat trick there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, so so it ends with everybody being put down. Like, oh, we're finally free, you know, group hug and then hypnotic. Um, apparently there was an end credit scene that I missed once again. Uh, did you catch it? Uh, no, I actually did not know that there was an end credit scene, so I did not catch that. Yeah, the end credit scene. Apparently, Del Rain was still alive because uh, he 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 made himself look like uh, Danny's like foster father to um, uh, to keep himself alive. So that was like the final twist. That oh, you know, the end question mark. Um, but outside of that, man, I mean, what do you what do you think, man? How, how'd you how, how'd you like this movie? Uh, I liked it. That twist actually got me, which most mm-hmm. of the time a twist like that wouldn't catch me off guard. But I wasn't even thinking, oh, there's going to be a twist with this somewhere. I kind of just took the facts that they were laying out and being like, okay, this is this is the world. This is how everything is. Yeah. Yeah. So I liked that. I especially liked the kind of like I said before, the scene where they kind of showed him in the reality versus what he was seeing and kind of going back and forth between that. I thought that was a very cool scene. The idea of like the hypnosis at the beginning kind of was throwing me off where it was like, okay, so he's just, you know, using hypnosis on people. Is that going to be the movie that they're just trying to chase this guy that uses hypnosis? And it kept getting deeper and deeper into like this other plot of like, oh, well, he's more powerful than just using hypnosis. It's more than that. Like then his partner got killed and all this other stuff. It's like, okay. There's more to this than just, oh, they got to catch the guy who's just hip, you know, right. using hypnosis on people. So, you know, it, it, the movie kept amping up to me. I like that it had that twist, though, because at the end of the day, I'm like, dude, this detective dialogue is so generic. Yeah. <laughs> like, we we got to catch this bastard. I was like, all right, all right, Robert. All right, all right. You know, but I like that, dude. It's it's a simulation. There's a reason they're talking like that. They're mm-hmm. talking so, 
you know, uh, generic. Like, so I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah, I thought the twist was very good. Like, I it, it threw me for a loop, too, because um, it really did catch me off guard because I was like, this is the movie. All right, they're trying to catch this guy. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, okay. There's yeah. there's a little bit more here. <laughs> right, absolutely. And, and within... A ninety-seven minute run, t- a ninety-four minute runtime, dude. When's the last time we watched an action movie like this? That was in this in this day and age. That was this short. I I gotta say, like this movie didn't have any fluff to me. Perfect length, mm-hmm. it, an hour and a half. It one hundred percent two thumbs up. I more movies That's the way you do it need to realize they can be shorter and be good. You don't have to hit that two and a half hour time frame in order for people to take you seriously. You really don't, man. I mean, you really don't. Uh, yeah, dude. Overall, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by this. I would give this a solid four. Oh, yeah. I had to agree. It's a four out of five easy to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, there's so much in this movie that works. Yeah, it, it is kind of movie tropey at times, especially with the detective part and everything. But it has a reason to be following those tropes, you know, mm-hmm. and the twists in it are great. You know, the acting is great. You know, old man Ben Affleck. It, I love him as an actor still. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. He, he's, he, he, he understands the assignment in this. Right. You know. Especially when you're playing like a a typical detective that's world that's uh, wary in the eyes, he understands the assignment, right? But yeah, uh, I, I think it goes without saying on both of our accounts: uh, hypnotic over paycheck. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I didn't ex- I didn't know, I didn't know what to expect from these two. Uh, mm-hmm. We initially called this uh, episode the. Uh, Ben Affleck generic thrillers, but I gotta say we gotta focus on the two Bens because um Paycheck may be a little generic, but these aren't bad movies. Right. Uh, not 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 at all. But um yeah, Hypnotic was a pleasant surprise. Oh, 100%. I would say they were both pleasant surprises. Because it's not like Paycheck was a disappointing movie. It was a good movie, but Hypnotic is a great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I can I can understand that standpoint. Um I mean, Paycheck gave me what I thought it would give me. Hypnotic just gave me more. Mm-hmm. But um, all right. Yeah. So uh, moving on to the after show here. So uh, it looks like the actors have joined the writers on strike. Yeah. And this is a big one because this hasn't happened since, what was it, the 1960s? Way back in the day. Yeah. Which apparently when the writers and actors went on strike last time together was back when like better pension plans were created for actors and writers. Like they were able to unify and get a lot of great things from the industry. And I'm very hopeful that they'll be able to do the same, but man, some of the comments being made by some of the CEOs of the major studios during this time is a little disgusting. Oh, it's, it's terrible. You know, the fact that one CEO like came out and said, look, we're just going to wait until October when these people start losing their houses and then they'll have to take whatever deal we give them. And yeah, uh, I, I love Rob Perlman. One hundred percent. I knew he was going to say that. Man. Oh, Rob man. Perlman. <laughs> and his response to that just being, look, it's a shame that some people might lose their houses. But luckily for those of us that do care. 
we know exactly whose house said those comments. So <laughs> be That's careful in your house. And it's like, oh, man, when Ron Perlman threatens you over like an Instagram live or whatever he was doing, it's like I'd, I'd be a little scared. <laughs> Listen, my my thing is, from what I've heard, Ron, Ron Perlman is like one of the nicest guys in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. So I, I I didn't take the threat serious, but it's like it says something when a nice guy goes like, listen, mother effort. You know, oh, yeah. he's not acting. You yeah, know, like, he's, you know, every time I've read a story about Ron Perlman just running into him like at a coffee shop or something like that. He is the nicest guy. He loves his fans. You know, he'll take a moment out to, you know, do the quick selfie and like talk with people if he's not doing something. And yeah, obviously he's not directly threatening him, but he has such a threatening persona about him because right, right, yeah, right. he's a big guy. And Mm -hmm. he does have a very threatening sounding voice. So when he's going, yeah, and we know who said those comments. So maybe you should watch your house because you never know what's going to happen. And it's like, oh, that sounds so threatening. I would be, you know, shitting my pants if I was the guy that said that quote, listening to Ron Perlman say that. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, I think what it was is that uh, an anonymous uh, employee or an anonymous executive probably heard that. I don't know if it was from a CEO, but I think an anonymous, anonymous employee heard that from an executive saying, dude, we'll just fight this out until people start losing their homes and then we'll just, you know, we'll settle from there. And yeah, I, I thought it was that, from like, an anonymous interview with some of the heads of the uh, movie industry. You know what? Either you might be right. I I don't know the exacts, but I thought it was I thought it was somebody that heard it from somebody. Okay. Like, I, I thought I, I thought I heard it that way, but yeah, that that was the quote I heard. Um, yeah. So right now, it's dude, it's crazy. It's like uh, actors and uh, writers, like um, actors under SAG and writers under WGA, uh, can't promote their films right now during the strike. You know, those are the rules. It's like they're straight up, straight to the picket lines. And uh, or don't cross the picket lines. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way it is. Directors can. Um, a lot of directors are choosing not to, though. Like Christopher Nolan's not going to promote uh, Oppenheimer, uh, even oh, though yeah. yeah he wrote that film too, and Greta wrote Barbie, so it makes sense that they're not promoting their films like that. But what was you about to say? It, a lot of different directors. Like I understand, like some directors that aren't saying anything right now. But the directors mm-hmm. that have spoken up and the people that are like entwined in the industry that aren't a part of the Actors Guild or the Writers Guild have basically all thrown 100% support at this. I don't think I've seen yeah. anybody outside of CEOs say anything negative toward this strike. No, no, no one said any. I don't think anyone said anything negative, but I mean, right, like, I'm saying, um, but it's I, like that much soul, you know, solidarity between this industry that like even people that have a part in the industry but not a part of those guilds are going yeah they're not asking for much it's only the ceos that are going oh this is too much to to be correct um i do think greta did a little bit of promotion for barbie uh and uh justin simeon who directed the haunted mansion remake uh went to the disneyland premiere haunted mansion but then again justin simeon didn't like write the film he directed it 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he even stated himself, like, dude, we just put so much work into this movie. Uh, I, I got a lot of solidarity with the writers. I just came here in support of, like, the, the fantastic cast and crew who made this movie. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, I was like, ain't, no, ain't nothing wrong with that. You oh, know, yeah. you can choose not to, you can choose to promote it if, you, if you're just directing it. But, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, this is big, man. Uh, this is big. Because uh, I don't know how long this is going to last, but uh, we'll see. I mean, the writer strike has already been going on for I want to say two yeah. months now, mm-hmm. and it's been going on for a while. Yeah, the fact that the you know actors are now striking, and some of the comments that are being brought out from like the negotiations with uh, the Actors Guild and everything like that is like the whole AI will own your image kind of thing is like. Uh, that is Dude, disgusting, that and of course, that's something that the studios would be doing. And then there's extras. I think there's a deal with the extra, like um, for background actors or extras, if they uh, capture their likeness and everything like that, they can choose to have that in future pro- if projects, and they they those actors won't get uh, reimbursed for it. Yeah, or won't get any residuals from it. Which that's I, that's ridiculous. I love the studio's comment to that where they go, no, that's completely wrong. We said we want to take their likeness and be able to use them in any future projects for the property that they were already in for only $100 for that initial thing for the future of whatever that property is. It's like, right. Uh, do you think you're the good guy here? Did, did you think you like caught everybody on this? Oh, no, that's not what we wanted to do. <laughs> right, right, right. Because your sound's we're taking, worse. <laughs> we're screwing them over this way, right. not that way. Right, Look, yeah. we didn't make them, you know, run through the desert with no water. We gave them a glass of lemonade at the beginning. So, you know, we're not the bad guys here. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love it. And, um, well, I don't love it, but I love the the, the takedowns of the comments that have uh, been made by higher ups. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because... Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty scary thing. Listen, I'm not scared of AI, but I do realize the dangerous potential of AI. Like, you know, when when somebody can take over and and I, I mean, scrape an entire film that was made that mm-hmm. was bound to make money. You know, Batgirl. Um, I think anything is possible. Oh, yeah. I mean that in a very dangerous way. I think anything is possible. It, so the thing is, yeah. a- AI. I don't know if we've talked about this on podcast or if it was off podcast, but AI as it stands right now isn't the AI that everybody's worried about because right now AI is only able to create something based on something that already exists. It basically can copy something and create something from that. You know, like all these image AI generators, they have a pool of images that they're just copying little snippets of to create a new image. It's not able to create something new from nothing. It needs some kind of data in order to use that. So with that, AI isn't as scary as it is now, but it's the fact that in these agreements, they're already putting in the clauses for AI when it could reach that point. And so that's already written into here. So when they reach a point where they can go, oh, no, we can just throw in, you know, into the AI machine, write Spider-Man 4, and it'll write Spider-Man 4. We don't need to throw in every other, you know, comic book and storyline into the machine first in order to get something. 
Yeah, that's 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 crazy, dude. That's scary and crazy at the same time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. And I and I say, you know, a, as a film critic, you know, I stand with the writers. Uh, you know, oh, you absolutely. and I, we we wouldn't even have this podcast. You know, I wouldn't be on Eight Bit Waffles. You wouldn't be on Eight Bit Waffles writing our reviews if it wasn't for the brilliant minds that that brought forth these uh these films to us. Yeah. You know. It, absolutely. It's it, our entire, you know, hobby here of watching movies and then shouting our opinions into the Internet for them is 100 mm-hmm. percent because of the writers. Even when it's not a movie that we like, it's still at least it was something still that exists. It's something that somebody yeah. put to paper and not all ideas work. But at the same time, we shouldn't be shutting all ideas down because sometimes they don't work. Which is one thing that I like hate about the like internet hive mind that like pulls up and goes, well, Hollywood is just copy pasting ideas now anyway. It's like, yeah, if you're watching only those movies, but there's yeah. so many other movies out there that I'm sure that you're not watching because you're like, well, that's not being made by Universal Pictures. Why would I watch that? Well, because right. you're saying that everything they're making is a copy paste right now. That's why the you should be watching everything else. <laughs> The independent films get cut to the wayside. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, I completely understand. I don't like the hive mind either. Uh, but what I will say is this. Um, I don't know how long this is going to last because I I mean, Hollywood without actors. I mean, what, what are you going to do? I mean, you know, I, I mean, I'm it, scared but- to find out what this is going to be the uh, nexus event to leading to, because the last time we had a writer's strike it led to The Apprentice getting renewed for a second season and continuing on, which really started Trump's entire <laughs> thing. To be fair, listen, to be fair, the ce- well, I don't know about the regular Apprentice, but the celebrity Apprentice was was peak reality television. Oh, Gilbert Gottfried on there was hilarious. <laughs> Dude, Gilbert Gottfried, Gary Busey, yeah. Meatloaf, Dennis Rodman. Oh, dude. Oh, dude. It's... The Celebrity Apprentice is peak reality television before Arnold Schwarzenegger came in. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's one of those funny things like when people are talking, yeah, the last writer's strike that happened, The Apprentice is, you know, the only reason that got a second season in the first place was because they didn't have anything else to do because they had to do shows that had no writers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Reality TV is going to make bank. Yeah, next reality year, TV. I'm curious to see what the reality TV is going to look like, especially with the actor strike and the writer's strike, because it's not only right. will we not be able to get anything with like huge name actors for the next mm-hmm. couple of months, that's going to really be seen more late next year. But the writers and everything like that is just going to push a lot more reality TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be an interesting time. That's why I told people. I said, listen, I don't know about you, but there are always, there's always an ever growing list of movies I haven't watched yet mm-hmm. in TV shows. I said, folks, this is our time. This is our time to be to sit on the couch and catch up with what we haven't seen because right. we we got some time now. Yeah, <laughs> we finally we have. There's gonna be a right. good six month period where nothing good is gonna come out, and we're gonna just be able to play catch up. We ain't missing out on nothing. Um, yeah, well, moving forward from that, you know, we'll see where this goes, uh, see what happens. Um, I haven't really seen anything new, have you? Uh, I did finally catch the new Netflix movie, Nimona, 
the animated one. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. I got to say, well, this one got my attention because the animation style and everything. And I was like, OK, that looks that looks fun. You know, I, okay. I like what that looks like and everything. And yeah, the movie is exactly that. It's just a very fun movie. OK, nice. It's pretty fun. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the basic plot of it is pretty tropish. You know, a person that isn't really the villain is seen as a villain after circumstances point to him being the villain. He teams up okay. with a little girl that thinks that he's a villain because she sees herself as a villain her and wants to be a villain. And it just follows all the tropes of, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Be who you really are. You know, all these other things like, OK, it's a kid's oh. movie. It's following the tropes, but it's doing it in a cute way and it's fun. OK, I got you. I got you. Um, all right. I'll uh, keep it in mind. Hey, uh, Guillermo del Toro's cartoon uh, on Netflix, uh, Tales of Arcadia. Any one of those good? Do you watch them? Uh, I have not actually watched that. Oh, okay. All right. I can. I just wanted to know if they were good. Yeah. I haven't, you know, obviously Guillermo del Toro, I got to believe that it's got something to it because Mm -hmm. he usually does very good work, but I haven't seen any of them, so I can't say. Okay, okay, I got you. Well, uh, all right, y'all. It's been another great episode of DFV. Uh, You know, like, share, and subscribe. And uh, take it easy.